It's radio theater for your soul. It's radio theater for your soul. With storytellers gather around the mic. Come on, let's go. Live readings, traditional, contemporary, original, scripted plays, film, and poetry. The storytellers gather around the mic to be with your host, Miss Shanice C.L. Coleman, a.k.a. Courageous Love, always just a cut above. Yeah. Soul audience, thank you so much for tuning in and welcome to season seven of my radio show. My name is Shani C.L. Coleman, also known as Courageous Love, and I am your host who will be gathering with the storytellers around the mic weekly. Storytelling is a gift. It is meant to be shared, and our mission is to continue to provide a global stage for storytellers of all genres of storytelling. Even from the subways of New York City, you're listening to Radio Theater for Your Soul. So, does anyone want to know what Radio Theater for Your Soul is really all about? Yeah, tell us what is Radio Theater for Your Soul. You want to know what it's about? Oh, yes. Yeah. I'll tell you. In a nutshell, it is all about storytelling and storytellers featuring voices, unique voices, the written and or unwritten words during this broadcast, podcast, episode, show, whatever you prefer to call it. I call it internet radio, our global stage, as mentioned earlier, our gathering place around the mic that virtually replaces the baobab tree, where all kind of stories continue to be shared. So please stay tuned. You're listening to Radio Theater for Your Soul, where storytellers gather around the mic. Gathering around the mic to share their voice is another great featured storyteller with another great story. Enjoy! Hi, everyone. This is Jillian Alston, and I am very happy and honored to be here with you to discuss a topic that affects so many of of you who will be listening, and I'm happy to share it with you. It is called Cancel Student Loans. Why not? Um, It's a a conversation I've been having with uh, Shanice and several friends for the last few weeks, 
and I would love for you to listen in. I would also love some feedback. You can send comments to me at galston16 at outlook.com. Please enjoy. Hi, Shanice. It's Jillian. So good to see you um, again. You know, I just wanted us to talk a little bit about um, the student loan debt relief that some people have been proposing. That's been on my mind a lot. Um, And not just because I have student loans, um, but really how it impacts a lot of people. So as you know, uh, my family came from Trinidad, moved to New York when I was three. So I grew up in Brooklyn with my mom and dad and my older brother. And um, New York has changed a lot since then. Um, went to high school in Manhattan in the late 80s. That, that had its ups and downs, mostly ups, lots of fun. <laughs> then I attended New York University. And that's where we met and have been uh, in touch and close and sisters ever since. And NYU was a great experience. I did not graduate. I attended all four years. And um, I guess the last maybe 12 or or 15 credits, I can't remember right now, that I had to take to get my diploma just cost too much money. Um, If I had it to do over, yes, I would do it differently. But I already had student loans at that time. And I already put in four years. And I was looking forward to getting out in the world, getting a job, and moving on. And maybe at some point I would either get a degree from another university or just do something different. But um, those student loans are still with me. And I'm fortunate enough to be in a position where paying them is not a hardship. I also have Parent Plus loans for my daughter. That's a choice that I made after her dad passed away to keep her in the school that she was in. You know, there are alternatives. We considered all of them, and I chose what I chose. So here I am paying my own student loans still from <laughs> what, I, what I accumulated at my time at New York University and paying some student loans for my daughter, which initially we agreed she would pay, but, you know, kind of looking at it and looking at what I, what I earn and what she earns, yada, 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 I'm, I'm fine paying it for now. It's not a hardship, like I said before. I think student loan forgiveness is a really, really important issue. I guess because I see it as partial reparations. And and what I mean by that is every ethnic group that's been wronged in the United States has received an acknowledgement of that and have received actual reparations. Uh, when the Japanese were interned and their homes were taken and other people thought it was okay to just move into their homes after they worked hard and, and, and worked for that and bought that, they thought that was okay. It was not okay. They got reparations. Rightly so. I do not begrudge Japanese Americans for getting that at all. Some Native Americans got 
what you call reparations, but not all. African Americans have never gotten that. The 40 acres and a mule, oh my God, if we could at least get that, that was the promise that was made. We can't even get the 40 acres and a mule. Reparations are due to African Americans who descended from slaves, whether they're Caribbean or, or born on African soil. African Americans throughout the Americas deserve reparations. So that's a fight that's still going on, but student loan forgiveness is something that I see as partial reparations. Whether it wants to be called that or not, it would help African Americans, Latino Americans in a really, really huge way. Um, the fight to get into colleges and universities, we always got to fight for, for everything we have. It doesn't really matter how smart you are sometimes, right? You know, the top of the top, creme de la creme, 4.0 high school African-American Latino student is still struggling to get into a really good school. Um, Bronx High School of Science and some of the top high schools in Manhattan have the, the smallest African-American and Latino population. And you can't tell me it's because there aren't smart black and Latino kids. They have difficulty getting into those high schools. When black kids get into college, even with the 4.0 grade point average, there's a lack of scholarship. There's a lack of funding. Those students tend to be guided towards loans. And that's really not fair. Um, I went to school with a really brilliant young man, first name Gil, and a Puerto Rican brother from, from Lower East Side. We got really tight, and he always had exceptional grades. And his scholarship money was being reduced. And when he told me about it, I thought, well, that's, that doesn't sound fair. So you're doing the right thing. He's studying. He's getting excellent grades. Um, but he's losing his scholarship money. So he went to the dean at NYU, made an appointment, uh, had a frank discussion with the dean about how important it is for the, the university to find money for him, not just as a Latino student, but as a student of color who is excelling. And he was excelling. And it didn't look right that the university was taking away money when he's achieving exceeding rather and he showed me that when you have good grades and you have to advocate for yourself you get the scholarship money the universities have those of us who do not know how to advocate in the way that he did we ended up taking our loans and and for all of the really smart kids out there who ended up doing that is why I'm leaning towards forgiveness so some people say, well, I don't understand why you would want your loans to be forgiven. If I buy a car and I default on paying the car note, my car gets taken and that, that's, that's how it should be. That's the right thing to do. I chose to take out the car note. I chose not to pay the car note for whatever reason, job loss, death, whatever, the car gets taken away. 
My response to that is, well, it's not really the same thing. Again, a lot of students were guided towards student loans, probably when the universities had enough money to give them the extra to stay in school. Um, And that's where the unfairness comes in. Here's the second part of the unfairness. The rates for these student loans are way too high. Senator Elizabeth Warren does a phenomenal job of continually pointing out that the rate that the banks borrow the money for to make available for the rest of us to borrow as student loans is some ridiculous number. I think it's, what, 0.001% or 0.01%? Let that sink in. I mean, because my rates are a combination rate, combination of rates. I have a six, one at 6%, I've got, you know, one at 5%, I think there's another one at 7%. Um, if student loans were provided to students at 1% or 2%, that would be so much more manageable to pay back than 6 seven, 8% rates that banks provide. They want to make money off of the poorest people, black, white, or any other color. If you qualify for a 6% or 4%, wonderful for you. But is it really? Because you should be getting probably a 1% or 0.5%. Why not? The banks should not be making money off of your education. It is highly unlikely that at 6 and 7%, whatever amount that you borrow, that may end up being a $600, $700, $800, $1,200 a month payment, that you're going to get a job where you can comfortably pay $1,200 a month, $800 a month, $500 a month, and still be independent. Most student loan programs well, I think, yeah, most want you to pay the loan back after within nine months of graduation. Who is really ready for the world nine months after graduation in terms of having a job, getting your footing at the job, being independent, maybe having your own apartment, maybe one other roommate, uh, handling all of your expenses, whether that be your rent, your car, your, your cell phone, your cable, or whatever it is, your streaming. And, you, you know, some people cut down as much as they can cut down. And that student loan payment is equal to their rent or their mortgage. It's, it is a hardship. It is too much. It should be forgiven. And not, again, not everybody's in the position where they can comfortably pay the student loans and still live. Um, I've read a lot of stories about people paying, you know, $800 and $1,200 a month. They don't, they don't want to default, but it makes it tight. They're still living in their parents' basement. They, they can't get married. They, you know, if they have their own apartment and they have a, a partner or fiancé or whomever that also has student loans, they can't have kids. It delays a lot of life for people to have that stranglehold of that $800, $1,200 a month payment hanging over your head. 
um, not everybody defaults on their student loans. So some people say, well, you know, these people are deadbeats. Why should my tax dollars go towards paying for them to get rid of their student loans? Well, like I said, you know, the government set up a really unfair uh, process. And just because it is the process doesn't mean that it's the right process. But some people may not realize that in the 90s, when I was in high school, 80s and 90s, um, all the news media ever talked about was how obsolete a high school diploma was going to be. It was almost scary. Um, I went to Murray Bertram High School in Manhattan, so we kind of had a, a slightly different perspective on what you can get out of high school. We had people who were learning steno because the court systems were not too far away. So most people graduated high school and went to work. Um, that was the focus. Our high school was a specialized high school. I actually majored in marketing. There was a stockbroker training program. People took steno. Everyone had, it, Typing was mandatory. Everyone had to learn how to type because Back then, typing could get you a job. Male or female, everyone had to type. Um, and then we started a new major called information systems. I think I was in my sophomore year, and that was introduced. Um, we started to code. It was explained to everybody, computers are going to be the wave of the future. And, and for m people in my high school, we may have had more, more resources than other high schools. We had accounting majors. We had people who knew how to do bookkeeping. We had, we had a lot of majors that by your sophomore year or your junior year, you could work. You could work and support yourself. A lot of high schools weren't like that. Um, so like I was saying, a high school diploma was going to be obsolete. And that was drilled into a lot of people back in the 80s and 90s. And going to college was the only way you were going to have a future. You were going to be able to afford things, um, a car, a house, vacations, whatever it is that you wanted. You couldn't do anything without a college degree. And that's really where it all started. How do you get to college? Well, of course, you, you had to have good grades. Um, you had to have an interest. And you could learn what you wanted to do. So we had uh, in New York City, CUNY, we had the city university. Then there was the state university. And then you have your private colleges. Um, we applied for a lot of scholarships. A lot of my friends got scholarships. I got some scholarships as well. And you, you learn how to put this financial aid package together, right? It's still awful, the whole financial aid experience, um, even today and and as it was back then, but you had to go to college. That's what was drilled into you. And, you know, when your parents come from another country, you really don't have an option. Um, you have to go to college. So we had uh, kind of a, a, a dual, a, du a heavy um, duality going on in our world as teenagers. It's being pummeled into us from every which way. Every family member who was already older um, and didn't go to college, was telling us we had to. And then that was really what was coming across the media. 
go to college, go to college, go to college. When you get there and you realize your scholarship uh, left you with 10 grand or maybe 18 grand unpaid, well, school said, oh, financial aid office, go take out some loans. Okay, we signed the papers. Did we really understand at 17 and 18 what we were doing? I don't think so. Um, It's always hard to imagine 10 years after that what these student loan payments would do, how they would impact your life. So that's, I, I just want you to have an understanding of, you know, where did this come from, this drive to take out these student loans? Why do people have so many trillions of dollars in student loans? Well, we, we were told this is the best thing for us to do. And when you're telling young people that, and you have parents who don't really understand that, you end up taking out the loans. There are a lot of people hanging in there and making those payments. They're not deadbeats. Some people can't make the payments. They're not deadbeats either. They're making a choice to live, to eat, to keep their roof over their head, or pay the damn student loans that are 8 and 10%. I don't judge them. I don't fault them. You, you do the best that you can. And we were told you work hard you get somewhere. You know, if you start off making 40000 you work hard. The next year, you're going to make a little bit more. Um, you keep working hard and adding to your education and, and developing the skills at the job, and you should be mer- making some more. And that's not really the way things work anymore. The only time you make more is when you change jobs. So you kind of have to learn as much as you possibly can on that one job before you leave because you want to bring something to the table at the next job, right? You want to bring something to the table that's going to get you a 20000 increase in an offer. You want to show your value. You know your value. I hope you do. You should be getting a 20000 increase if you change jobs because if the current job can't recognize that you need a 20,000 increase for for the four hats you're wearing, then it's time to go. And, you know, putting in eight years, 10 years at one job and not being appreciated is not really the thing to do. That's not smart. You, you, You learn as much as you can. You look around two years, two and a half years, I say three years max. If you haven't earned over 10 grand in increases in three years, you gotta get out of there. You have to go because everything's going up around you. And this was before the housing crisis, right? There are young people out there who are engaged. They're looking for homes. By the time they make an offer on one home that's affordable, somebody comes in and adds 50 grand or 100 grand in cash on top of that, and they lose the house. People are trying to live their lives. Senator Elizabeth Warren did an analysis, and she made a proposal to President Biden and asked him to cancel up to 50000 of debt per borrower. This cancellation, if we could actually get 50000 per person canceled, the analysis that she did shows that canceling the debt is a matter of racial justice. It's about providing relief to millions of hardworking people 
who invested in their education but are now drowning in debt, quote, unquote. I agree with her. 10,000 debt cancellation would zero out debts for borrowers, but it, it would only make a small debt. 50,000 would start to close the racial wealth gap. Think about it. Who goes to college more than anybody else nowadays? Black women. Who gets degrees at the highest rate right now? Black women. That says black women are motivated. Black women want to provide for their families. Black women want to make a name for themselves. They want to move this world forward. They want to move this country forward. Black women are the most educated group in America. Here's another thought. Who earns the least amount of money in America? Black women. So, student debt cancellation should be 50000 per person because it really would help black women. It's a form of reparations. Some people may not like that word. I really don't care. But it's the right thing to do. And we rarely do the right thing when it comes to American citizens. Black women get more degrees and tend to have the highest GPAs and tend to get paid the lowest. It's a no-brainer. Senator Warren understands that. She understands the impact that canceling $50,000 of student loan debt would have. It would wipe out half of someone's student loan debt. If you don't have 50, that's fine. It should wipe out 100%. But 50,000 is the right number. 10,000, that's not going to do anything for anybody that has 100,000 in loans. We have a shortage of so many things in this country. We don't have enough nurses, right? COVID, COVID not only wiped out our population, in that population that it wiped out was, was a significant number of medical professionals, nurses, doctors, surgeons, If you don't think that that's a group of people that's been severely impacted by this pandemic, that's a group of people that need $50,000 wiped out of their student loan debt. It's extremely costly to go to medical school to help save lives and then to lose your life because of the pandemic. It's devastating. So yeah, 50,000 is the number. And I am aware that people of all races need help with this. I'm not saying only black women or only Latino women need help. But closing the racial wealth gap is one reason to cancel student loan debt. It's going to help so many people. It's going to help so many people eat. It's going to help people feed their kids. It's going to help so many people keep a decent roof over their head. Do you know what people will do what they get? $800 back in their pocket. you imagine that? And it's not from the government necessarily. It's out of their own pocket. They're paying this thing. But if you didn't have to pay $800 a month tomorrow anymore, could you imagine how that 
changes lives? What's that going to do for the woman who has three kids and a full-time job? What about the person who pays 1200 a month and they're still living at home and they're helping their parents? To get that $1,200 back in your budget every month is a game changer. Are you kidding me? You can get your car fixed when it breaks down. You can get the plumbing fixed when it's not working. You can get that new water heater that the house needs. It's important for people to have room to breathe. And getting rid of at least 50000 is gonna it's going to feel like that for people. And it's really important nowadays for people to be able to breathe like that. How about those families in Buffalo who've lost so many loved ones? How many of them do you think need $50,000 canceled of their student loans? Because everything is so much harder for them now. Now they've got the ones who went through that horrible mass shooting. Now they have family to, to bury. They've got children to educate. They have so much to go through. Counseling, therapy, rehab, post-traumatic stress. It's, it's, it's going to be a lot. They don't need that debt hanging over their heads. need to breathe right now. I think the United States government is trying, but it's so flawed. You know, we recently found out that at least the number that they're releasing is that the unemployment fraud, all the extra money the federal government gave every state to help its citizens, the the state's Unemployment departments were defrauded, the number right now, $163 billion. They don't know where that's gone. You got some Nigerian scammers uh, who, who, who were very organized and took a lot of the money from different states. The state I'm in right now, Pennsylvania, lost about $8 billion with a B. There are some people who never got their unemployment benefits, who legitimately needed them but the state was sending them somewhere else. There are some people who never applied for unemployment benefits, and the IRS handed them, at the end of the year, uh, their tax bill. And some people are like, what are you talking about? I, I, I never got this money. It's a mess. It's a mess all over the place. This is, this is you know, the government trying to help. They lost 163 billion dollars they were scammed out of it not to mention the amount of money they were scammed out of with the PPE okay so you try to help American citizens you lost 163 billion that we know of my understanding is that number could climb upwards of 200 billion how insane is that you lost almost 200 billion billion dollars 
to scammers and hackers, but you can't give $50,000 to the student loan companies to reduce Americans' student loan debt. I don't understand how that makes sense. People of all races are caught up in this trap. 50000 in debt cancellation would help black and Latino Americans the most. Based on the sheer fact that blacks and Latinos do not earn the same as white people. It don't matter how much education you have. It doesn't matter how excellent your work ethic is. They do not earn dollar for dollar like white people. And because of that alone, African Americans and Latinos should have 50000 canceled. We need the cancellation debt. I understand the president is going to propose 10000 It's something, right? It, it's something. And I hope... I hope he does it, of course, and I hope it helps somebody. I know when people have 100,000 or 125 or 200,000 and they get 10,000 canceled, it's like, do you really feel it? Does it move the needle on your monthly payment? No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. You're not going to notice the difference between 90,000 student loan debt and 100,000. You're really not. But we need it. We need it badly. I advocate for 50. I advocate for more. I thought I could get more out of President Biden, but 50,000? Elizabeth Warren made a lot of sense as to why we need 50,000. But I'll take the 10, and I hope that 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 10 really makes the impact on people who only have 25 or, or less. It should wipe out something for somebody. I know that there are a lot of people who have been getting their student loans canceled because they've been bamboozled by these companies. I think the government has been doing a really good job. Um, It started under President Obama, and he had to fight with Betsy DeVos, but he got a lot of student loans canceled because of the errors that the student loan companies made. And President Biden has continued to look at people's cases to get their debt canceled as well. So I think it's a great thing. I think we all need it. I'm always happy to hear groups of people who have gotten their student loans canceled. People need that money back in their pocket, especially now, especially with $7 um, per gallon gas and, and, and empty food shelves and people who can't find baby formula and people asking folks in Boston if they can send it to them and, and, in California. I mean, people need help. I never thought the United States would be in a position like this. It's, it's embarrassing. It's stunning. Uh, I completely understand what's happening with the supply chain all over the world. But the poor planning for certain things is, is really shocking. And I think President Biden is trying. It's not all his fault. I don't know how people think that he was supposed to turn things around 100% from what the other incompetent guy did. Well, he did nothing. So, you know, when somebody does nothing for four years, you're starting at a deficit. 
So when Biden came in, it's not as though he could just say, okay, let's get these vaccines going and let's get this going. You're starting from a deficit. And you have to bring it up to zero and then you have to push past zero. That, that's how it works. That's what he's been doing. He's been pushing past zero um, with a lot of things. So God bless him and I really hope that student loan debt cancellation comes through. I'll take the 10000 I hope it helps other people, even though it may not help me. But it's not about me. Um, a lot of things I see a bigger picture because it's not always about me. Um, I can't vote for the guy who's only going to help my point of view. I ought to vote for the guy who's going to help the point of view of the masses. Uh, I may not, what I want may not be in that thing at all. But if it's better for, for more people to have that guy in office doing X um, than it is for me, then I, yeah, that's how it should be. That's, that's absolutely how it should be. Speak to the issues of the people who's going to get the help the most. Um, and help them. Shawnee, thanks for listening. You always listen so well. You always let me just kind of go on and on. <laughs> That's my point of view. And, and I hope, um, you know, folks have some insight into that and uh, some comments. I'd, I'd love to hear the comments, too. Thanks for uh, listening again. Take care. You're listening to Radio Theater for Your Soul with your host, Shanice C.L. Coleman. Thank you to featured storyteller Ms. Jillian Alston. Her story titled Cancel Student Loans, Why Not? was initiated by our ongoing conversation regarding our own student loan debt and the possible relief or partial relief from the obligation to pay it back. It's timely, it's controversial, and so far the resolution is pending for so many students and former students of colleges and universities all over this nation. To continue or join this conversation, you can reach Jillian Austin directly via email at gaustin16 at outlook.com. That's spelled G-A-L-S-T-O-N, the number 16 at outlook.com. Now, if you missed any part of Ms. Jillian Austin's story titled Cancel Student Loans, Why Not? Please go back and listen anytime right here on Radio Theater for Your Soul. As often as you like, you can listen and wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen on our website at radiogathering.wixsite.com slash radiogathering. Please follow us at Radio Gathering on Facebook twitter and instagram and please subscribe to our youtube channel for selected shows and snippets of all kind of stories and all kind of storytelling listeners this is our season seven finale as we close out our spring series here at radio theater for your soul we're taking a brief 
brief, brief hiatus before season eight kicks off our summer series. But please don't stop listening. If you're new to the podcast, browse our archives and let one of our previous feature storytellers take you on a journey certain to feed the soul. And finally, I sign off weekly with a poem or what I call a poetic offering. I'm going to sit right here on this earthly soil, see what happens. Going to walk to the fringes of this water, feel a wave touch my toes. I'm going to kneel and put my handprint in the muddy. Going to stare down the sandpiper that's staring at me. I'm going to fling my arms in the air, square off with the sky, smile at the sun, hug the air, marvel at God and his wonder. (laughs) That poetic offering is titled, By the Ocean, written by yours truly, and by the ocean, relaxing is exactly where I plan to be before summer's end. This is Radio Theater for Your Soul, where storytellers gather around the mic. I am your host, Shani C.L. Coleman, also known as Courageous Love. Thank you again to God, family, friends, ancestors, all of the featured storytellers from this Season 7 Spring Series 2022. And, drumroll please, you thank you so much for listening it's radio theater for your soul it's radio theater for your soul with storytellers gather around the mic come on let's go live readings traditional contemporary original scripted plays film and poetry with storytellers gather around the mic to be with your host Miss Shanice C.L. Coleman, a.k.a. Courageous Love, always just a cut above. Yeah. Radio Theater for your soul. It's Radio Theater for your soul. Radio Theater for your soul. Yeah. Where storytellers